Welcome to Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures. Pretty excited today because this is the first time we've done a song from the 70s. And what I mean by that is that the episode features a single song from the 70s. We've never done that. No, that's true. And I like to point out that I think we're excited every single episode. We're always excited to, to talk about the, the songs that, uh, that we talk about. And I think that's a good thing, right? I mean, to, to have so much joy and enthusiasm for, for the content that, that uh, we're, we're talking about. I appreciate that about ourselves. I appreciate that about ourselves, too. So in order to prepare for this episode, I hadn't thought of a song, but we talked about doing the 70s. So I just went in my Google browser and typed in worst song from the 70s and up come a bunch of songs. And some of them were truly terrible. And then I saw the song that we're going to be doing today. And I thought to myself, who in their right mind would ever think this was the worst song in the 70s? So I also did a little research on that and found out that most people online do not think that, but there are some of the gatekeepers, as we like to say uh, here at Guilt Free Pleasures, who are trying to keep people away from this fantastic song, but we are bringing it back today. Yeah, yeah and those those gatekeepers, I think, I don't think they'd be, uh, they'd be friends with us. No. I, don't, I, I don't think we, we, we'd jive in our musical tastes. No, but they're always welcome here at the Winchester, but they'd have to come through the door, and I just don't think they're ready yet. Yeah, it's it's on them, not on us, right? Like, I'd be accepting, they just have to accept us for who we are. Now, one of the people who is one of us is my friend Jeff Flood, and he sent a text to me months ago. So this would be one of our first sort of um, fan mail letters. Yeah. And his... Uh, and there have been numerous since. Yeah, we, we should probably do a full episode on fan mail. Yes. <laughs> So he sent a message that said, Hey man, you need to do Andy Kim, Rock Me Gently versus the Archies, Sugar Sugar. And he wrote in brackets, also Andy Kim and give me credit. So I, uh, I have to also apologize to Jeff Flood because I just don't think it'd be fair to do both Sugar Sugar and Rock Me Gently in one episode. Yeah. Yeah, and especially to pit them against each other. Andy Kim can't fight himself. No, no. This, this is not, you know, I brought it up before, but this is not a Superman 3 situation. Yeah. So we're going to focus on Rock Me Gently. One is because it is a song from the 70s, Sugar Sugar 60s. We'll get to it. Yeah. But um, I would just want to thank Jeff Flood for bringing that up months ago, and we're going to make this happen today. Yeah. And, uh, and listeners, if there is a request that you have, uh, you can send us some sort of electronic mail or text message or something like that. And, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll suss it out and decide whether it's, uh, if it's guilt-free enough, uh, for us, but, uh, but feel free to, to send in su- suggestions and, uh, and if it jives with us, I, I think, uh, we could, we could put it on the air. I'll leave our, uh, contact info in the show notes. Let's talk Andy Kim, Frank. Yes, let's. So 1967, he shows up in 
New York City from Montreal. He's coming from a low-income family, from what I can gather, musters together $40, gets on a bus, comes to New York, and then goes straight to the Brill building to find uh, Jeff Berry, who's his favorite songwriter. Mm -hmm. Finds him, plays a song for him, and, and, and ends up sort of just willing himself into these situations where he's able to get himself known. He gets his song recorded, and he ends up becoming writing partners with Jeff Berry. Yeah, which is which is big to become writing partners with your favorite songwriter. Like yeah. that's that's a that's a huge step. I mean, yeah, jumping off of a bus and into that relationship is is pretty fantastic. They wrote Sugar Sugar in about 10 minutes. Yeah. Which uh, I don't even it's crazy. I don't even know how what to say about that. Mm-hmm. So that's the Andy Kim sort of the, the most brief version of his history. The the genesis of his songwriting uh career, right? Yeah. And then he's got some hits. So we have, what was your favorite? Was Sugar Sugar? Would that be? I, you know, I, I would have to say that Rock Me Gently is, is my favorite right. song by, uh, by Andy Kim. Yeah, for sure. Mine too. He does, um, what, so he has a song in the 60s. He does Baby I Love You. And that actually reached number nine on the charts in 1969. Yeah. It was released the same day, I believe, that the Archie's Sugar Sugar was released. And of course, there is no such thing as the Archie's. It's all session musicians. Mm-hmm. But Andy Kim sang back up on that one. So he didn't actually sing a lead vocal on that. But he does uh, sing lead on Baby I Love You. And then things kind of fall apart for him in some ways. He loses his record contract. And it's just a man in his dream. Yeah, Andy had a had a good career going through the '60s, and then the '70s kind of hit, and uh, he fell off quite a bit. So he has one morning. He writes this song. So I guess he wrote it within a morning, and he knows it's the best song he's written. Mm-hmm. He knows it deep down, and he can't get anybody to listen to him when he's he wants to record it people don't want to record anything by andy kim they talked about him being too old yeah he mentioned that in some interviews and actually it's interesting to see on wikipedia where if you see how old he is you look at the footnote and so there the stories about his age is there's a six-year gap so it's he's either i think it's 1948 1946 1946 that's right or and then the other age is 1952 so yeah. there's two different versions of the story. So I'm not sure if Andy was the one who put out the story that he showed up in New York when he was 16 years old. This was the story I heard. Mm-hmm. But if you look at it, he's probably 22, depending on it. But in terms of a um, an industry that despises age, they yeah. only want youth. How crazy, though, is it that they would think he's too old because he'd be in his mid to late 20s? Yeah, yeah, I know. I don't even understand that. I mean, imagine they thought that about us. Oh, we're, we're just hitting our stride in our mid-40s. That's right. That's where podcasting, real, it's like marathon running, I believe. Yeah, yeah. The, the older you get, the fa- the better you are, right? That's, That's... why there, so many of the uh, Olympic greats are octogenarians. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to look that one up. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's pretty factual. Don't, don't look at the internet. It, it, it'll tell you lies. So he writes this song, Rock Me Gently. He can't get anybody any record company to listen to him. And a bunch of his stories, he's crying, telling them in tears, and they're just closing the door. And he's he just decides, this is what I love about Andy Kim. Mm-hmm. He just decides that he's going to produce it himself. So he 
takes all that he has, from what I gather, gets the session musicians and records it and then decides he'll release it, creates his own label yeah. and releases it. And then he moves back home to Montreal and he, he said he was going to try to work on the border states. That's serious hard work. So he knows Detroit likes him. So he's going to hit it. He's going to go to Windsor, he said. Yeah. And try it. And, and it works. Yeah. That's what I learned. So <laughs> in the last two days, that's, I've been, I've been uh, watching a lot of interviews with him. That's a, that's a pretty fantastic story, though. Like, mm-hmm. he, um, just a man in his dream. Like, that's, that's how we started. A man in his dream gets on a bus, goes to New York. And the man who still has that dream and won't let it go and and works hard and uh produces something like rock me gently and Mm -hmm. it puts it out there and recaptures that dream right like that that's a pretty pretty fantastic story it's the it's a redemption story there totally or not necessarily a redemption but it's a comeback story anyways yeah i like that that yeah it's a comeback he uh releases it so it gets released in this and i think capital records ends up releasing it because they they like it so much they decide they're going to put their backing behind it and they release it in sometime in the mid 1974 even though the song yes. might by by then the song i think is about two years old mm-hmm. and it takes 14 weeks to reach number one but it reaches it 14 weeks is a long stretch to climb up the charge yeah, that's that's a it's a it's a long stretch to climb the the charts. Also, considering that it it's been out for two years prior to that, too, yeah, right? like it's been kind of making its rounds, uh, not necessarily radio play uh, at the time or, or really promoted, but it's been out there. Yeah, so people know about it. He's got some love in Canada, but the weird thing in Canada back then is because he didn't have a high enough U.S. profile, they they wouldn't play him that much, which is yeah, it's insane. So his uh, drive is inspiring. Yes, 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 absolutely. So rock me gently, the song. Yeah, my take on the narrative framework of the song is that he's met someone he's so in love with mm-hmm. that they are together. And unlike most pop music that I know of, I can't think of others where the guy tells the the girl to go gently. They're together, but go gently, because I've never had love like this before. And so yeah. what I really like about the songs is reversal. It's not some macho guy yeah. yeah yeah it's just like we're swaying to the rhythm but go gently yeah like let, let's take it easy yeah like uh let, let's let's slow down here a little bit and let's enjoy this what i also like about this is that the song itself does not match the word rock me gently <laughs> because no. by the end he has abandoned all sense of rocking me gently i think he's finally he's finally ready to go for it yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, any lyrics there, Frank, that you uh, had that you wanted to... Oh, the, the lyrics are... It, it kind of has... It really does have that feel of the... Um, like, sort of the early to, to mid-60s sort of uh, pop singer uh, yes. lyrics. Uh, almost something like a... I won't say Motown or... or but the the groups from the like early to mid, mid-60s... He's a big fan of Phil Spector. Yeah. And so it definitely has a, he, he's, and he, because he's produced this, he's aiming to get that sound. Even though this is 1974, he's still in his head trying to make songs from the mid 60s, I think. 
the way he approaches yeah. the the production. Well, he he did uh, he did a, a cover of "Be My Baby," which was yes. a, a big Phil Spector song mm-hmm. too, right? It was sing, uh, sung by the Ronettes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of Ronettes songs actually. He's yeah. covered. Yeah. So and 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 it really has that that kind of feel to it with the lyrics, the, the way that it. Uh, um, not necessarily the way that it's sung, but the the way the lyric structure and the and the, the story that it tells is very very similar. I find to to those uh, the, those songs. Ain't it good? Ain't it right that you are with me here tonight? Music playing, our body swaying in time. I also like that he uses the words rock me gently over and over. So he uses them in verses. He uses them in chorus. Yep. It's very economical in terms of his use yeah. of language. Yeah. There's so many things I like. But what I one of the many things I really like about the song is he knows his hook. I believe they call it a hook. I'm learning this language. Chris Newkirk would be proud. <laughs> so that the rock me gently thing is what makes the song. And he's going to keep going back to that well. That well will never run dry. And it starts slow. It goes into a verse. He throws it in a chorus. It comes back. Mm -hmm. He throws it into a bridge. Throws it into a chorus. And again and again, rock me gently, rock me slowly, take it easy. I could keep singing, but that would be the whole entire song. Yeah, yeah. I think there's I think there's 24 words to the entire song. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) One of the things I really like is the right before the right before the chorus, mm-hmm. like the the lead into the chorus is uh, he says, uh, "Don't you know that I've never been loved like this before?" And that that's the lead into the chorus, but it's also the last line of the chorus. But it, it's kind of yes. it's, it's really sort of um, it's gentle. Yeah, it's rocked gently. Yeah. And then in the chorus, it's rocked a little harder. This is ironic. I believe this actually is irony. Yeah. Where it's called Rock Me Gently. And You're allowing like, yourself to use the uh, term yeah. ironic here. It's both, it's, he's not rocking gently. And it's also not a rock song, yeah. even though it has the word rock in it. So yeah. there's so many things going on that will anger the gatekeepers. Yeah. But yeah. it's right up Guilty Pleasures Alley. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What I love about this song is the very, very beginning. Okay. That bass line that opens the song is so good. And that bass continues to be at the front of the music to me. It's like a bass forward song. Yes. And so when he talked about the production, he said he he was there with the musicians 
I think he said he had a picture of the girl he was talking about to try to explain to them. Oh, okay. <laughs> which is, <laughs> he's just so earnest. Like, this is her. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? And he said the bass player came in and just started playing. Uh, like, he, he didn't play. He was just practicing. He was doing his scales or whatever. Yeah. And he said, what are you doing? He goes, that's what I want. And so what you hear at the beginning is what the bass player would use to practice. Just like his little warm-up. Yeah. We're going to talk about these, these session musicians. Yeah. So the bass player is Max Bennett. And the great thing Wikipedia is you, when it's blue, Frank, you, you, there are hyperlinks. Yeah. I don't know if you knew this, but you can click on those and it takes you to these other places. I'm well versed in uh, using Wikipedia as my main uh, reference source. Yes. So Max Bennett is a really important bass player. He was born in 1928, died in 2018 at 90 years old. So when this came out, he's 45, 40, yeah, okay. 44 when he, when he does this. He's played for a bunch of Frank Zappa albums, played okay. on a bunch of Frank Zappa and Joni Mitchell, some major Joni Mitchell albums. Mm-hmm. And he is well regarded across the board. I started looking at these musicians and was amazed at what their pedigree was. You had some to add too, I think. Well, I had to, one of one of the parts of the song that I really like is uh, towards the end. There's a, there's a there's a break. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a, like a, a, a keyboard break and, and the sound of it, it's a, when I, when I re-listened to the song, it's very, very reminiscent of the keyboards that were, uh, in Meatloaf's Paradise by the Dashboard Light. If you yeah. remember that portion of the song when they're, they're talking, the baseball's going on in, in the yeah. uh, background and even further in the background you hear the two in the car but you hear the 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 that really funky sort of keyboard um paradise by the dashboard light is not actually about cars or or baseball it's a it's another one of those songs about the sex right okay okay well that makes a whole lot more sense yes. about that song yeah. thank you but uh, but the keyboards are are very very similar um not the same keyboard player but it very very uh similar feel to them the keyboard player is uh, uh, Michael Amartin, mm-hmm. something like that. I can't remember. Or, oh, yeah, because or Michael Martian. We've talked about him before, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. He did the accordion work on uh, Billy Joel's Piano Man. He also produced the Amy Grant and Peter Cetera duet. That's right. That's right. Yes, yes, yes. That's where we're talking about. Yeah. So this is, so think about, on this, this is why it's perfect guilt-free pleasure song because Michael Amartian, we talked about him last time as a producer. I didn't realize he also played keys. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, this is like, the, the keys are a huge part of the songs. Apparently they spent three days on that part that they went and they kept okay. working on it because they didn't want to do saxophone, didn't want to do guitar, wanted something yeah. new. Yeah. Some of the gripes against the song is the keyboard part but i'm with you yeah. i like that keyboard part i like yeah. that it sounds like it's from the 70s yeah because it's from the 70s exactly yeah yeah yeah
and so Michael Martian, he ended up doing, um, or Martian, I really should look that up. He he did uh, Rod Stewart's Some Guys Have All the Luck years later, too. Okay, like, there's yeah. just a ton of songs. Yeah. And so he's in his, like, mid-20s at this point. So it's amazing who is playing on this album. Mm-hmm. The drummer is also the drummer who drummed for Barry White and for Steely Dan on, like, the Asia album. jeez, oh, cool. So there's all these, and even the backup singers, I love... The backup vocals. Yes. Oh my goodness. So we got bass, drums, backup vocals, and those keys. And if uh, according to Wikipedia, the percussion was done by Gary Coleman. From different strokes? No, no, different Gary Coleman. Okay. But uh, you know, there's there's that. (laughs) There is. Yeah. Okay. So your favorite part see that electric piano synth breakdown yeah and i think my favorite part is right after that Mm -hmm. where he just ends up rocking gently really hard yeah (laughs) and and all and those backup vocals end up getting so loud that they 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 start to just blend right together yeah and they're just reaching for the heights which is Mm -hmm. and guilt-free pleasures is all about reaching for those heights yeah which they do well yeah When when you listen to the song, there's there, there's automatically there's right off right off the hop there's a comparison that that can be made right there, uh, and I think a lot of people who aren't familiar with Andy Kim would assume that this is a Neil Diamond song. Yes. So, but Neil Diamond was was he was quite the thing back in the back in the early early to mid seventies, right? So this this falls right into that that wheelhouse of. Um, of, of musical style at the, of the time. So, um, I mean, I think we can forgive Andy for, uh, sounding a bit like, a, a bit like Neil Diamond. It, I don't know if it's a, if it's a ripoff as much as it would be maybe an homage to him. Oh, my darling. Oh, my baby. You got the moves that drive me crazy. And on your face, I see a trace of love. I mean, I've, I was thinking a lot about this because they're, they're, they have similar backgrounds in some ways. I mean, yeah. a- Andy Kim, though, is he's, he's Lebanese Jewish. Yeah. And Neil Diamond, I'm not sure where... I know he's, he's Jewish as well. I don't yeah. know the, what other mix he is. I don't know if that would explain sort of intonations. I'm not sure. Yeah. Interestingly, with his voice... If you hear his earlier work, sometimes they claim that they sped up his vocals in his 1960s work. Yeah. But in the the interview I heard with him, he just said that the producers would get him to sing a certain way. And for this one, Andy Kim got to sing the way he wanted to because he produced it. So he dropped his voice. Yeah. Well, I heard that that he, he sung in a way that made himself seem younger or sound yes, younger. exactly. Maybe that was... Uh... When people are thinking Andy Kim, they're thinking some young teenager. Meanwhile, they're getting someone in their mid to late uh, mid to late twenties, and maybe that was that was part of the part of the problem. They also thought Andy Kim was probably a blonde hair surfer kid, but uh, yeah, no. Then that's what they said. He kept saying people. He the, his songs presented him as a blonde hair surfer. Yeah, 
And online, I kept finding the same word in different articles. The word was swarthy. Okay. Which, which is, it just sounded so negative. Yeah. Which just means darker in complexion. But um, I was kind of amazed at what I found online about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Frank, but the online world could be a nasty place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, read uh, read the comments after any sort of news article. It, uh, you get to get some pretty amazing people out there. So as for categories, I haven't really thought about a lot. Of categories did you no i haven't uh, didn't put a lot of thought into it. i mean we can go to the classics uh, i don't think this could be used as a wedding song it would be played at the wedding though i would like this one as a uh as a dance floor song yeah i think i've requested it before at a wedding oh, okay i don't know if it, it it took yeah it took for me yeah but you get kind of awkward dancing by yourself and then you don't. You just yeah, have to fight through well, those those moments. You just have to learn to accept it. Like, yeah, that, that's what I've I've done. <laughs> the worst is when you end up just slow dancing with yourself. Yeah, that that's yeah. that's a weird one. Trust that's, me. Yeah, that's another episode. Yeah, um, your the your mixtape. Would you p- put this on a mixtape? Yeah, I it would. Uh, I I think it would be, I think it would be a closer on a mixtape. Yeah, that's a good call. But it, it would have to be like, you know, it'd be a, it would be a mixtape, I think, of, of kind of up-tempo songs. Yeah. But this, this one would be a nice, a, a nice closer, you know, to get rocked gently. I feel like it could be in the same song universe as a whole bunch of other songs that are just super slow. Like Peter Cetera's I'm Gonna Take Forever Tonight. Remember, do you remember that yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the same type of theme, except he's... The one being told to rock gently. Yeah. But uh, in this one, it's Andy Kim telling the other person to rock him gently. Yes. Is it like a, like a lot, like rock a bye baby? It's like a lullaby? Is this a lullaby? Could, could you sing this as a lullaby? Would you sing this to your son? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've sung it out loud a lot around the house. Yeah. And Ashley's ignored me, I think, for most of it. So, uh, yeah. And so is Elijah. We have an Andy Kim story. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. So we got tickets to see Ron Sexsmith when he was singing at Massey Hall. It was, it was his uh, his first show ever at Massey Hall as either a headliner or, or opening act. So it must have been in, uh, I'm guessing around like maybe the late 2000s, could be 2008, 2009 is my guess. Something like that, yeah. And we saw Gordon Lightfoot in the crowd. He'd just come out of like being recovering from surgery yeah he was really sick for for a long period of time right yeah 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 because uh it, it was it was weird because i'm sitting then every, a bunch of people started standing and clapping and i'm just like what's going on and it was gordon lightfoot walking to his seat to yeah. watch this show it was, yeah. it was kind of amazing yeah standing ovation for him yeah it's standing ovation for a man just looking for a seat that's right and like, th- yeah the uh kathleen edwards was the opening act yeah and she really was, good she was fantastic and then midway through the concert, Andy Kim walked up on stage with Ron Sexsmith. They did a duet together. Yeah. And I remember when they finished, Andy Kim gave um, Ron Sexsmith one of those like taps on the cheek. 
yep. that a like uh, a godfather yeah. might give yeah, somebody. That's right. Yeah. So he just it just was like he seemed like oh he's just so proud of his son or uh, yeah it was uh, it was something to see. But it was also something to look at Andy Kim and say man he looks the exact same as he did in that video from Rock Me Gently. Yeah, that, from '74. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We haven't talked about that video, but that's... I, I, uh, There's really not a whole lot to the video. It's just uh, um, it's, it's a performance video, right? It's, yeah. it's the, him and the band and the backup singers uh, singing uh, to the camera, basically, yeah. right? It was a very enjoyable video to watch. Oh, yeah. I watched it a few times. Yeah. I just yeah. don't like the uh, weird production they did to it. And I was like, just I want to see Andy Kim. I want to see him. They, they cover the screen with colors and yeah. all the 70s. Yeah. So we saw Andy Kim there. And then Andy Kim would do an annual Christmas show. Around then, he was doing his annual Christmas shows. I don't know if they stopped at some point, but uh, you can see online him singing uh, Sugar Sugar and Rock Me Gently at one of those shows. Ron Sexsmith is up there, too. That's right, yeah. Um, But that was was pretty cool. So we, I mean, I would love to see Andy Kim just in concert himself. Yeah, yeah, that'd be that'd be a fun show because he's still he's still uh, writing and recording with uh, a number of Canadian artists. He yeah. he won an indie award back in two thousand and six, I think it was. Right, and in twenty fourteen, he he recorded something with uh, Kevin Drew from yeah. uh, Broken Social Scene. Yeah, his stuff is still good. Yeah. I listened to a bunch of it today. One of my all time favorite Andy Kim songs is one he co-wrote with Ed Robertson from the Bare Naked Ladies. Yes, yes, that's a great song. And that was his comeback song. Yeah. So Ed Robertson, could give he gives Ed Robertson credit for giving him confidence again. Yeah, because Ed Robertson basically coaxed him to come out of retirement yeah. and, and uh, perform with them. Yeah. It's or, a, or to record that song, sorry. Yeah, it's a wonderful song. But I forgot to mention how I And Andy Kim, as a human being, is such a positive force. Uh, just kindness, his way of looking at life is refreshing. He says, yeah. I'm, he keeps saying, I'm a lucky guy. This is what I, he, and he said, I know there's lots of other people who, are, who might even be more, who, well, I didn't say might, he said, who are more talented than me, but he's just been lucky and he just had a drive. He didn't understand why, but he just always had this drive. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he had said to Jeff Barry when he met him, Jeff Barry kind of said, I got to go to the studio. And he said, can I go with you? <laughs> and then Jeff Barry, I think that was enough that his, his um, willingness to just push and he wasn't annoying. He didn't do anything like that. I just wanted to be there. And yeah. he said uh, he had a couple pieces of, ad- of advice and he's to, to give to people, he said, one is God is always on time. I wasn't, I was kind of surprised because I didn't expect it to have this sort of spiritual dimension, but he yeah. said, God is always on time. And he goes, it might not be your time, but God's time. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So, and then he said, he quoted from Mark Twain. Okay. And the quote goes something like this. Actually, I'll just play it here. And I'll leave you with this great Mark Twain quote, the two most important days of your life, the day you are born and the day you find out why. That's all I got to say. It's our hope that you find out what Mark Twain's talking about. Because, <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't know. Yeah. 
but I like it. I, I like that God is on time. And as far as purpose goes, hey, we're just glad you're here. We're glad you're here listening to us. And uh, we're glad that you came and we hope that we rocked you gently.